I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Red, check out the yellow snow over there. Oh, no. This isn't archaeology. This is exploring ancient ruins, you dummy. Got me there. Kraloff pats his belly. Satisfying indeed. <laughs> Bear trees. Oh, no. Roll for initiative. I don't know. You're 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 asking me like I'm supposed to know, but I don't know. It's And I ride away, bored of Doran's rambling. We're waving at you from the top of a statue, just like the touristy of tourists. Red, Kraloff, up here. I disdain cowards and look forward to meeting blood in battle. <laughs> Hello all and welcome back to Dice Shame, episode 49, To Kingdom Come. MVP this week is Tim Tabor for the wonderful parcel that he sent us. It included a love letter from the community and an amazing Cthulhu statue. Very cool and very spooky. Super spooky. Are you looking for a new audio drama to enjoy? Check out our friends at Y2K. Y2K is a serialized drama in the form of a fiction podcast. It's a tale of love, identity, and long-distance friendship set in two timelines on opposite sides of the world. You can find all their episodes at y2kpod.com. You ready to do this? Let's do this. This party has been adventuring for one month. One month, guys. It is the 22nd of Marpanoth. It dawns gray and snowy. The first snow of the season's blanketing everything. It's just an inch or two deep, but... 
the landscape around you is white and crystalline. And there are visitors here at Gredhog, a retinue of folks, shepherds and ranchers from Belliard has made their way down. They've traveled throughout the night in order to make it here first thing in the morning, and they're stoked. You hear them coming through the trees, I guess through the tree stumps, um, talking excitedly and nervously. You know, I was going to say something about us having to take down this dam, but I think... What would be more exciting and interesting would be if we pack up and kind of move on, but there's this scene of like the communities that are there getting together the cattle and everything. And they're like, yeah, you can see them all pulling straps and there's like important people and engineers like telling how to do this. And then there's a bunch of people with ropes and they're all like, okay, let's go. Totally. You know that if Golden Fields is sending representatives to come and claim some of their belongings, they're not going to show up for five days. So I'm sure you can trust the residents of Belliard to handle that diplomatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what, what was built by giants is not dismantled in eight hours for sure. So I think it's like a project no. we're leaving these folks. Yeah. We did the dirty work. You do the rest. But it'll be <laughs> yeah. really great to come back, you know, a year later and see how the ecosystems change. How all the new giants have moved in. Yeah. Some of yeah. the ranchers from Belliard have brought their draft horses with sledges and wagons and they're like excited about dismantling parts of this and bringing the timber is very valuable so it's kind of a long drive it's like so much usable up the road like through the fields and stuff but anything that they can take and use for the winter right now especially with the community in such dire straits they're going to make use of it is anyone obviously in charge of these folks? Yeah, Sheriff Kerr's down here. Yeah, so so maybe we'll just spend a quick moment with the sheriff to say, you know, here's my take on how I'd, I'd start to dismantle this, but but you do it however you see fit. Fucking Jack. Can't, can't help, but I've been thinking about it all That's night, hilarious. so here's my notes on how I would take this place apart and make sure that the <laughs> ecosystem was restored. And, you know, these are the important things to think about. Sheriff Kerr is like, well, many thanks there, and the, Jack. <clears throat> and Red like leans in. I believe there was talk of a reward for killing the giants well yes there was he goes through his purse he's like here you are 500 gold pieces i believe ah yes now we're all settled up and really i can't thank you enough i'm sure that if this ain't all of them at least it's most of them looks like this place is big enough to hold a whole army and they took all our fucking pigs war pigs and uh, if you're ever in Belliard, <laughs> we got a place for you at the inn. Goodbye. Yeah. Well, thank you. Take care. He takes a pull on his flask. So we head off? We do. Yeah. Let's roll. South we go. And can we hitch up our horses and say goodbye? And as we're leaving like this area, there's like all these like little townsfolk kind of showing up. And they're like, oh, there's the adventures that took out the giants. Oh. Yeah. Folks oh. are like gossiping a little bit about you guys and yeah. giggling and telling stories. So you travel all day. You spend most of the time on horseback, sometimes getting down to relieve the horses and give them a bit of a break. And relieve ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. The snow on our foot is crunchy and strange to you, Red. Ah. Every time it snows, it's like exciting again. Ah. Hey, Red, check out the yellow snow over there. Oh, no. What does it taste like? I don't know. Maybe you should try it. Torrance <laughs> trying to stifle a laugh. It's like his deception. <laughs> I think it's especially cool for a ranger to encounter snow for the first time because it's so clear to see all the tracks of all the animals around that have passed different ways. At the same time, it's also really tough to see when it's really bright out mm-hmm. because white snow 
it's so reflective. It makes everything extra bright and it's tough to sometimes see distance. So I think as much as tracking is like way easier for Red, he's also having a tough time discerning hills and landscape when everything is just over white. Mm-hmm. It's all blown out. Yeah. It's almost nightfall when you come upon a strange feature in the landscape. The light snow has helped distinguish a pile of rocks that seem to be placed purposefully in the divot between two hills where three bear trees are growing. <laughs> bear trees. Oh, no. Roll for initiative. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Is, is there a, like a history check or a nature check or something that would sort of give us a little more info about what, what the purpose was? You can roll an investigation check first if you like. I would love to investigate. These are just stones? There's no stonework on There's them? There's a big pile of stones in the divot between two hills. 23. Mm. Nice. Jack, as you move closer to investigate, you note that there seem to be lines of stones also radiating out from the central pile and that despite the light snow cover, there are pieces of bone intermingling with the rocks here. The ground is humped up in such a way that implies something buried inside. A burial mound. Looks to be. You know, this sort of brings me back to when I first hired you guys. We were going to a burial mound, not unlike this one, where we dug around, found that spoon. Great point, Jack. This is, you would estimate, probably a Uthgard barbarian mound. Ah. I would bet this is also a Uthgard barbarian mound. Um, I'm imagining Jack has sort of been looking around, sort of circling on Amic here, and takes maybe two or three good trots back from it. Mm-hmm. Part of him wants to do the right thing, which is like find the Uthgard tribe around here and like ask them for permission to do an archaeological exploration because that's his gut feel. And then maybe Doran's like walking around on foot and he hears Jack talk about this Uthgard barbarian burial site. Can I see? You said there's bones sticking out of the ground? Not sticking out of the ground, but mm. intermingled with the stones that are creating these radial lines that stick out like spokes from a right. wheel, I suppose, right. from the central area of the mound. So maybe I, I follow one of these radiating lines and I follow it to the main mound and I procure the um, bone emblem that came off of Gryhark. And I take the emblem and I kind of set it ceremoniously on the mound. And then I take out my knife and I cut my hand open and put my hand right in the mound, like right next to it, leaving a bloody handprint there. You fought well. We'll always remember you as someone who had our back. And I get up and walk away from the center. Do you have inspiration, Alex? Uh, Unfortunately, I do. Damn it. Well, but I kind of look at Jack for like a is that the right move? Like did I Yeah, I, no, I'm I'm totally pleased. Perfect. Uh it seemed seems very appropriate to me. I love that so much. I I want to reward that bit of role play and the tying up of that storyline so much that I would like to give you inspiration that you can bequeath to someone else if you like. Okay, who doesn't have inspiration? Nice. I do not have inspiration. Okay, Jack. Beautiful. There you go. So it's coming on nightfall. Did you want to hang out here or you want to move along? I mean, I don't want to camp in the graveyard. <laughs> yeah, let's keep moving south. We got lots of ground to cover. Yeah, keep moving until the daylight runs right out. Yeah, so you make camp, you know, an hour or so on. And uh, maybe Lehman's tiny hut has a white exterior now that there's snow on the ground. Perfectly matched to the snow, yeah. 
Yeah. So you guys have some magic items that you wanted to learn about, correct? Yes, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm not sure how you guys like to figure out your potions. I personally think that it's kind of common that someone would unscrew the, the vials, stopper, and take a tiny taste on a fingertip or, you know, smell it or something. It's I'll really hard it. to discern what a potion it's does poison. just by looking at it, right? You find that one of the potions has got kind of a translucent blue color with these big yellow bubbles inside. Oh, weird. Ooh. And a, just a small taste makes you feel like if you drank it, you could breathe underwater. Oh. I think this is a flying potion. Potion of water breathing. <laughs> the other potion is a slim vial full of silvery liquid that sizzles and shimmers. When you taste it, you feel like you would gain a huge amount of strength. Mm. This is a potion of frost giant strength. Whoa. Yeah. Cool. I feel like we should give that to Doran. Probably. Thanks. And the water breathing probably to Jack because you have this ring of swimming. It's true. Yeah. Cool. Um, there's a spell scroll. Let's pull that apart and see what's going on. You unravel the spell scroll and reveal the instructions that would allow you to cast Crown of Madness. Ooh. Not sure if that's a spell you have, but that's what the dice gave me. I don't know that one at all. So someone's going to have to attune to this conch in order to figure out what it does. Yeah, someone that knows giant. I can do it. I'm curious. Cool. You spend an hour hanging out with the conch. I just cuddle it. <laughs> so you find out that as an action, you can cast the teleport spell by blowing into this shell. Wow. That the destination is fixed. You don't know where it would go. Cool. That there is no chance of a mishap or the spell being off target. And it's just the one person who blows this conch. You would appear in a specific location designed by the item's creator and... It doesn't allow teleportation to any other destination. <laughs> so so this is a one-way ticket out of here to you don't know where. So if I blow this conch, I will transport somewhere that I have no idea where. Exactly. I love it. You would have no way of returning. <laughs> it's a good thing I don't have it. Let me just say that. <laughs> Red's character is like that, but the player is not. What do you do with this information? I tell them, guys, this conch is, if someone blows into it, it transports them somewhere. I, I have no idea. Cool, let me try. No, don't, Darren. Okay, okay. Now, I guess you'd have to tune to you it. You would to have actually, to tune to yeah, it, yes, so for I'm one just going to keep it in the back and the bottom. Yeah, so that's kind of cool and interesting. Very cool. What's yeah. it called? It's called the Conch of Teleportation. Oh. While we're uh, just hanging out and sort of before we're going to bed, Red sort of slinks off to the corner and he looks again at this conch. My precious. And I look at the runes, Journey Sacred King, and I have, as they are my favored enemy, advantage on information. And on my own, I just kind of want to ponder on it. Do those words mean anything to me based on giants and their history and the tales that I know from Mazdakin culture? Roll for it. That is a 15, I believe. So journey, obviously, might bring you on a journey. It's a conch of teleportation. Sacred, you're unsure about whether that would be referring to this artifact or to the place that you might be brought. And king, maybe would bring you into the audience of a deity or ruler. Okay, further on that, does anything from my dream sort of inform itself of this does the conch seem familiar to the landscape that i envisioned it does and red as we find you in this quiet moment contemplating the conch with your paws on it with your eyes closed thinking about 
what you might know of giant culture, of these runes, pondering your dream. The sensation of snow evaporating on your fur turns your consciousness inside out. You lose all sensation in your body. It's like you're floating. A gradient of deep blue shimmers before your eyes and you are transported. We see you suspended in the deep, a tiny cat alone in the dark. The fur on your body drifts in the water. We zoom out way, way, way out. And we see you just so small against this massive backdrop of ocean. There's no sea floor, no ceiling of waves above you. You're totally alone in the vast, dark water. Fear grips you. Your tiny limbs start to paddle and thrash so small, so far away from air. And then something impossibly huge moves behind you in the darkness. And then you wake up. And I sort of just nervously look around. Everyone's still like going about their individual things. Yeah, you found like a place to be alone, but you see your friends. Yeah, Doran's like feeding the fire. Yeah, and I just like take a moment, take a breath, and then put the conch away and sort of side eye try to go about some mundane task. Jack probably stays up a little bit too late copying this crown of madness into his spell book and sleeps in a little bit, delaying our travel maybe an hour or two in the morning. Oh, Jack. That guy. (laughs) In the morning, I'm getting a little bit irritated. Come on, Jack. Just a few more minutes, Doran. And it's not like an angry, it's more like a like an excited kid. Aww. Can we can we get there? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, so true. Quicker we get on the road, the less time it'll take to get there. Come on. You like wake up and Red and B have built snowmen outside. Oh, of course and, like, they have. Red's is just this terrible, weird, te- like tentacled arm thing. Like just, t- just poorly made and B's yeah. got this perfectly rounded. I feel like she's this like Hermione Granger-esque perfectionist. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And Red is very much like the fun, dumb dad who can't do it, but is just like almost more immature than her to an extent, but also hyper skilled in certain aspects with being an archer and stuff. So it's just this weird duality. So cool. And Kraloth is trying to do his morning prayers and meditation, and he's choosing spells that he thinks would be useful for this, Uh, but he keeps on like opening one eye and chuckling to himself (laughs) as he watches the antics of Red and B. But who throws the first snowball? Uh, I think it comes from Doran when I ask if B can steal a carrot from his bag. Shitfart's got a carrot. We need a nose. So see if you can do it. She's she's like like obviously doing it. <laughs> it's and- good natured though. One minute you look over and Doran's like not paying any attention. He's stoking, you know, just putting out the last bits of the fire. You know, your attention goes back to shit fur. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> this snowball comes out of left field, and and there I am standing looking at you, and it, it maybe hits you. That hat. Yeah, because I don't, I, I would know what a snowball is. Like, I'd need someone else to make it. It's all in good fun, Red. You guys get on horseback. You ride out into the morning. It's crisp. And by the time it's mid morning, the snow has partially thawed and is mm-hmm. finding its way into trickles of water and the muddy ground underneath these leafless trees. Our skins and furs are coming off, you know, the layers that we put on in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not winter proper yet it's just kind of getting dark getting cold so you are on horseback when you come to see that there are some pieces of stone and ruin starting to litter the landscape you find a cistern there's water green with algae and partially skinned with ice that fills a 50-foot wide cistern dug into the earth here. The water's surface sits 30 feet below ground level, so it's 
mostly empty. There's the remains of an aqueduct that come from a point higher up on the bluff that you're standing on. That's still visible, but most of it's fallen into ruin. So you're approaching from the north and traveling south. And south of you, there's the edge of this bluff and you look down into a valley. The escarpment that you're standing on is littered with the remains of this stone aqueduct. It's clearly, I mean, even from the ruins, Doran, you can tell that this is dwarven stonework. Yeah. And then looking down, you see the remains of other stone buildings partially sticking up out of the frozen earth, like broken teeth. Cool. Jeez. What happened here, Doran? Well, like a lot of our cities, this is an ancient city, and it has succumbed to time. So now we must find a way into the the lower levels. All right, well, let's go. This is the great leader, Thorold Flametongue. He From the bridge. founded this city, that's right. The tales say that he was also buried here with his great axe. Let's go check it out. And I ride away. Board of Doran's rambling. <laughs> um, what's everyone's passive perception real quick? 16. 11. 15. Kraloth and Red, as you guys move the horses to descend the escarpment heading west, you see tracks in the freshly fallen snow. Hmm. Big ones. Giant size? <laughs> no, these are probably belonging to a large animal. You see that, bud? Yeah, I do see it. Some sort of beast. Yeah, I think we hop off and we'll both take a look at the track, see if we can discern what animal. Yeah, rule a nature check. A one. A one. I jump right on the track. Oops. Hey, uh, hey, Jack. Yeah. How are you with nature? I love it. Yeah, here. Uh, come over here. We Red and I found some tracks, and I'm going to lay a hand on your shoulder and cast guidance on you. You get an extra 1d4 to your ability check. All right. So 30. 19 <laughs> wow. plus 1 is 10. <laughs> wow. Brilliant. Shut up, Jack. These are owl bear tracks. Oh. This is a family unit. You see a couple more off to the side. They were put down recently. They're probably hunting. You guys need to be careful. You know, they're, they're, so there's a reason you might not have known about this in Mazda. I don't, I don't think these are really natural creatures in any sense. They're sort of more half owl, half bear, all bad news, and they're hungry. Mm. What? Half owl, half bear. It's called an owl bear. I've never even heard of such a thing. So it's like a, it's like an owl with a bear's head. Uh, the other way, mostly. Oh, uh, I get it. You're pulling a fast <laughs> one on me. No, so, Red. This is going to sound like I'm pulling your leg, but this is a. Oh, uh, this is another bug bear look, thing, eh? Owl bears are a real danger in these parts. I'm just picturing like Red and I are like I can see it perfectly in our mind, and both of us have completely yeah. different images. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Yeah, yeah. One of them body. is an owl, but bear of feather. Like there's yeah. no it's yeah. a owl bear. One's yeah. just a cute little Kieran, but with from the original owl form, just with Oh Kieran, we miss face. you. Uh I sort of go, I'm sure, and then kind of <laughs> wink loudly. Owl bears are a real thing, right, Doran? You know oh, you know about yes, them. Yeah. Cool and Doran hears owl bear and he looks back and he says, Don't mess with owl bears. They're they're pretty dangerous creatures. <laughs> and then he sees red and Crayloth like not not entirely believing. And Doran's stare just continues as stern you know as in jack's not fucking around <laughs> uh, you're pretty good uh, i'm definitely buying it and i'm gonna roll insight and i got a five <laughs> i'm sure doran's glare just doesn't change <laughs> but the real question is do they taste good i don't want to get close enough to find out the question you have to be concerned with is do you taste good to an owlbear Come on, let's keep going. If we can avoid this confrontation with some wild owl bears, then I think it's probably for the best. 
Well, why don't we sneak? I can cast Pass Without Trace, and we can head down to the ruins pretty undetected. It works for me. Sure. I'm good with that. That's what it's here for. Give it a try. So I'll cast Pass Without Trace, and I will have an aura around me that gives us all plus 10 to our stealth. So you continue traveling the way that you had been going? Yeah. Yeah, obviously being on alert for anything. Cool. Everyone roll stealth. So I got 17. Dirty 20. Also dirty 20. 24. So you guys continue plodding along on your horses carefully, silently, down the escarpment towards the west until you find a place where you feel like the horses won't break their legs picking their way down the hill. You don't encounter any owlbears. Mm. They don't surprise you. Mm. No one has found anyone. (laughs) (laughs) You make your way down. Is there any place that we can keep the horses and be in Orin in a way that could be relatively safe? Well, as you make your way down into this valley area, Doran spies a building off against the wall of the escarpment that looks like maybe it was an amphitheater at one point. Mm. Would probably give some cover if you wanted to put the horses there and leave them. Probably be your best bet. Let's lead them over to the amphitheater if that seems like a good place, Doran, to hide yeah. them. Mm-hmm. As you walk in the shadow of this escarpment, you pass a number of crumbling buildings that maybe you make a mental note to go and investigate later. Mm. Is Doran like super hyper excited? Yeah. Right now? Yeah. yeah. Like Disney World. Just like hopping from foot to foot. Less like there Disney like- World, more like an ancient world of wonder you know ancient civilization like the the interest that goes through my mind the imagination of that this was once a bustling city of dwarven people on your way to the amphitheater you pass within a hundred yards of a crumbling archway as well as a massive structure that was probably once topped by a great statue but now is sort of cut off at the waist and worn through with time Those were Thorold's legs. He must have worked out. And then also, there's kind of something that would have maybe been a square building, but looks like it has been worn away into just a couple sets of alcoves and broken statues. All the buildings are spread pretty far apart. I think Red would sit down and sort of wave at uh, Dorn and specifically Jack and say, well, you're the archaeologist. This is your wheelhouse. Let us know where we have to go. And he'll just kind of literally sit back and lean against a pillar and like close his eyes. Dorn, what about that one with the statue? Let's go take a look. I was thinking the same thing. And Dorn kind of walks over and, and brushes away the, maybe the bottom of the statue where there's like a large uh, block. This massive structure was once a building topped by a great statue. A dwarf standing proudly with one arm outstretched, brandishing his great axe. Uh, you would know this because most of that statue is laying in rubble mm. on the ground around you, but it's larger than life. Right. The statue's arm outstretched is the size of your body or longer. Only the legs, waist, and weapon remain. There's a staircase inside the building that rises through the statue, though it was originally, Jack is telling you now, originally designed to ascend all the way to the statue's head as a watchtower. It Ooh. now stops suddenly at the figure's waist. So you can climb some yeah. story or so up this watchtower and take a look out at the land. And let's say I, I do. I'm looking at more for more of a vantage point where I can kind of look around and see. Just imagine what this would have looked like, a watchtower from up here. The stonework. Incredible. To see out of the eyes of Thorold Flame Tongue. Ah, now that would be amazing. And I just roll my eyes loudly at Kraloth. Like, We're <laughs> waving at you from the top of a statue, just like the touristy <laughs> of tourists. Red. Hey. 
Kreloth, up here. Look at Jack's fanny pack up there. He's <laughs> <laughs> like a dad. It's a satchel. Thank you. <laughs> I'm kind of looking down and scanning the base of the uh, cliff, mm-hmm. looking for some, maybe there's an entrance way or something that looks more like a pathway. Well, there's that other square building. Yeah. Doran, as you observe the landscape and you cast your eyes over this building that was surely once square in design, the hall must have been a shining example of Bissilmer's architectural mastery. Even though this place is some thousands of years in the ruin, you see that there are the jagged remnants of thick, soaring walls. Mm. That's probably your best bet as to how you would get downstairs if there is one. And we're kind of moving towards this building as we're... Yeah, yeah sure. You descend the stairs and you head towards it. And I picture we step into this like crumbled roof building and there's like, you know, we, we hear a bird flap through, you know, it's like... Yeah. yeah. And actually there's places here where bits of the roof are still, you know, in intact. Mm. Hundreds of years with no maintenance and look at that bit of the roof. <sighs> still standing strong. It's incredible, isn't it? Doran, you step on something that cracks and breaks and you reach down you pick up a shard of stained glass ah. rich ruby red color look at that huh could you imagine this on all the windows and i hold it up to the light and the red shines on my face incredible so there are four arches each one occupies part of one of the four walls of this huge square building. And as you investigate this building, you come across doorways in each arch that lead down Mm. to a narrow spiral staircase that descends into the earth. It seems like each of these arches has a staircase. I don't ever remember hearing about four entrances. I wonder if they all lead to the same place. What do you think, Jack? Hey, Kieran, do you want to take a quick fly down there just to see what what you see down each one, maybe 50 feet and then come back. The raven's glittering eyes shoot daggers and hatred at you <laughs> as he hops obediently down into the darkness on these stone stairs. Thanks, Kieran, I say, trying to like talk to them as if I like I used to talk to Kieran, but there's like an awkward <laughs> edge to it. I'm sure everybody can see how much my familiar hates me now and it's not okay. But I'm really excited for the day that you really need Kieran to do something and they just say no. Then you hear a voice in your head coming from down below. Master, there's vile machinery. Wheels. Oh, wow. Neat. Doran, there's like wheels and machinery down there. We got we to gotta go check it out. Oh, for sure. As Kieran's kind of coming up and going down the other two, I, I walk to the entrance and I start hollering for uh, Red and Kraloth and, and B and Oren. We're over here. <laughs> <laughs> You just have uh, I guess they won't. Time to go. Just about finished this spell. And there we go. Having a little cat nap. Oh, I just pictured you stretching like yeah. a cat does. <laughs> Bye, B. Bye, Oren. We might be back in for a few days. We do this shit pretty slow. Uh, we'll bring the horses to the amphitheater. Yeah, keep your eyes and ears open. I figure by the time these two make their way over to the hall where we are, Kieran would have had a chance now to investigate all four entrances. Yeah, they all lead down to dark rooms full of dwarven gears. Hmm. What's up, boys? Well, uh, did you see anything else down there, Kieran? It's just these dwarven dwarven machinery. Cool. Well, why don't you take the lead and we'll follow you? All right. So I take the first hallway staircase down. I'm right behind you. Yeah, we'll call it like the southeastern one. Their staircase leads to a small underground chamber 
The dark room contains a large stone flywheel connected to a series of gears. More dwarven machinery must be hidden behind the walls, beneath the floor. It's like well hidden and engineered. Carved into the ceiling is a symbol in dwarven. It says earth. What's its original purpose? The original purpose of this flywheel, Jack, Uh is that it is a mechanism for unsealing a lock. Do each of these passageways have a different wheel? Jack? Kieran's gone to the other three chambers, and they've got different symbols. One for air, fire, water, and this one's earth. So it's like a combination lock, I guess. we got to do it to, what, open the doorway to the dwarven ruins then. So, Dorin, uh, what what order should they be in? Yeah, I don't know. You're 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 asking me like I'm supposed to know, but I don't know. It's, it's an ancient civilization. Uh, and I try to move the flywheel. Doesn't move. Hmm. Kraloth just is kind of looking around, seeing if there's anything interesting. Did you want to roll an investigation check? Maybe I will investigate then while we're Great. looking around here. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. rolled a 19 plus 7 is 26. Nice. Okay. You uncover a couple of different details about this flywheel and its mechanism. You discover a disengaged sprocket that can be slid along an axle to engage a different part of the machinery. Oh, well, there's your problem. (laughs) (laughs) So as you set this sprocket back in place and Doran puts his strength against the wheel, it does move when it is being pushed, and you can hear the sound of grinding stone echoing in the distance. Additionally, as Doran moves the wheel, Jack, you spot that there's a small hole on the rim of the flywheel. Oh, interesting. Maybe like two inches in diameter. Mm. Hey, you know what this means on the plus side? We're the first ones to come into these ruins in a long time. Obviously, there's some mechanism holding the door shut. It's not just open air. It's kind of exciting, isn't it, Doran? It's incredibly exciting. I'll go check the other wheel, and I head back up, and I'm going to go down one of the other passages. Great. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I go up and head down another different passage. Kraloth, do you see anything through that hole? Kraloth gets down onto one knee, and he peers out. You don't see anything through the hole, but down on your hands and knees, Kraloth, you see that there are very faint etchings along the edge of this flywheel. Mm. Dwarven runes. There's more runes on the wheel. Hey, hey, Doran. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, wait. I speak dwarvish. (laughs) 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 Forgot for a minute. Yeah, there are symbols for air, earth, fire, water. Can we hear each other from as I'm down? Can I like yell? And yeah, hear them? you can yell. Cool. Everyone can hear everyone. I'm in I... my wheel. <laughs> Does your wheel have symbols on it? We found symbols on ours. Uh, yeah, little squigglies. Someone go to the fourth room. I yell. All right, I'll leave Kraloth here. I'll go. What do the symbols mean, Kraloth? Uh, they fire, earth, water, and air. Oh, I think it might have something to do with the ceiling. Is there a way to line up the flywheel so that the symbol lines up somewhere? Absolutely, there is, yes. Okay, so I say, I think that there should be one symbol of each, and you gotta shift it so that it's lining up with the ceiling somehow. All right. And I look on the flywheel, and I just match it with the symbol on the ceiling. Yeah, so you you hear grinding noise somewhere Deep within the earth. Yeah, same here. And I leave it on that, and I'll head back upstairs. As you abandon the handle of the flywheel, it slides back into place. Oh, (laughs) Oh, 
I head back down, like, hold it. You gotta hold him into place! Okay, okay, hold on, I'm almost there. I'm picturing a moment where Red, like, does that, and then, like, walks away. He's like, oh, it got loose. Yeah. And then goes back and fixes it again, and then goes yeah, back up. Yeah, just keeps comically. <laughs> yeah. Wait, hold on! Uh, Let's go, the handle comes around, hits you in the bum. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> if once they're in place, can you disconnect the sprocket? Or put that stick in where... Or, or uh, lock them in, a stick, a stick in the hole. That, that makes sense. Yeah. What do you put in the hole? Oh, man. An arrow? Can I put a, a, a like an arrow shaft? Yeah, it's a little bit loose, but it seems to clatter around inside the hole, and then it's almost like at risk of breaking off, and then it holds. You gotta lock it in a place for something. I, I put an arrow in mine. It's uh, weak, but it's working. I've got a python, a piton. That'd work perfect, yeah. yeah. Stick, in, stick that in the hole. I've got a dagger. Cool. You leave a dagger behind. Mm. I don't have a dagger anymore. <laughs> I've got some leftover um, jerky. jerky. Like no, the, the, the no. dry aged boar. Cram the whole full. And I'm just like, I don't have anything else. I'll be back for you later. <laughs> and I stick it in there. The boar doesn't work, Justin. I'm sorry to say. Oh, man. All right, then I take out a torch. No, no, the bone. He eats the entire dry aged boar leg and then puts the, like, the, the bone in. And you guys are all waiting. Like, <laughs> Kraloth, you got it yet? Kraloth. That's perfect. That's exactly Kraloth, what I do. are you ready? Give me a minute. <laughs> So as each one goes into place, there's like a clunk, clunk, clunk until they all kind of stay. Yeah, exactly. You've solved my flywheel puzzle. (laughs) Nice. Great puzzle. I like it. Almost 50 episodes and that's the first puzzle we've had. Very interesting. You're welcome. I excitedly jog back up to the top, waiting everyone else. So, did you do it? Yeah. It was a very satisfying clunk. Mm-hmm. Kraloff pats his belly. Oh. Satisfying indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and we head back outside. As you guys exit from this square building, your eyes catch on a previously unnoticed doorway mm. in the bluffs. So, it's just to the northeast of where you are, 300 yards from the amphitheater and looks like there are some statues carved from stone standing within an alcove weird <gasps> Doran. yes i think that's the entrance that would be it i think we did it yes come on and he kind of like hurriedly jogs a bit see red isn't archaeology fun what this isn't archaeology this is exploring ancient ruins you dummy got me there <laughs> so we make it up to this doorway <laughs> As you make it up to this doorway, seven poison darts fire out. I feel like I'm so much faster than Doran, but I keep waiting because he's obviously the one. As you approach, the ground rumbles as huge chunks of paving stone clatter and roll across the ground. They coalesce into a heap that forms into a shifting 20-foot tall humanoid figure with a vaguely dwarven appearance. Cool! It strikes a stone sword against the ground in front of it as if to say this far and no further. Don't and look! Mm. It's a big stone guy! I see that. Hi there. Hi there. I approach with both hands up in the air. Sort of like a whoa, calm down sort of thing. We're friends. I'm going to um, invoke my Know Your Enemy. Oh. Nice. Good call. You haven't used that yet. That's right, which I spend a minute observing this creature. And I want to know what its current HP is and its armor class. Mm. Nice. Good call, Alex. Excellent. Well, thanks, Harlan. I don't know if you're going to like this. It has an AC of 17. Okay. All natural armor. It's all natural, baby. Mm-hmm. And 178 hit points. 178. Oh. Okay, so we don't want to fight this. No. 
Doran, with a loud, clear voice, says to the statue, We are here to visit Thorold Flametongue. We are friends. The statue stands steadfast, immutable as the stone it is made from. I wonder if we've just turned this stone golem on, and uh, if one of us went back to unlock the machine that we just turned on and, t- and turned it off. Do you know what I mean? I'm happy to get far away from here and go play with the stones that I know how they work and aren't immune to magic. So I'll, I'll go hide underground. I'll be right back. Yeah, as you release the first of these flywheels and it begins to crank back into its starting position, the stones of this golem unhinge themselves, loosen, and then topple down to the ground in a pile of rubble. Mm. Interesting. Does the door shut, though? Yeah, I mean, you haven't been into the entryway, but there's a unclunking sound that is unsatisfying. What if we go stand right next to the door now yeah. and get B to crank it in place and open it, and we rush in, and then once we're inside, she can she can reset it again so the stone golem disappears. And to get out, I could leave Kieran out here to sort of signal when we're ready. I love it. I think it's a great idea. I don't want to fight a stone golem. They, they're bad for wizards. Okay, let's save here. And then if it doesn't work, we'll just come back. <laughs> we, can, we can quick save and reload. Cool, let's do it then. Yeah, who, so who do you send to be the person who is opening and closing the door? Probably Oren, because okay. worst case scenario, B would be better in a pinch should something go wrong yeah. to help us. Okay. So like Oren comes up and we kind of explain the situation. And then he goes back and the crow's kind of hopping beside him. Mm-hmm. And then you guys approach the entrance to the facade, I guess? Yeah, yeah. As you tell Oren what's going on, reapproach this pile of stones that had prevented you from accessing the wall of the stone bluffs. You move past the pile and you see that it was guarding this facade built into the bluff. There are two alcoves that flank an opening. Even though... The door has not yet been reopened. The opening is still there. So it's some other door that is being controlled here. So there are life-size statues carved from stone that stand within each of these alcoves that flank the entrance that lead into the side of this bluff. They appear to be a pair of dwarves in full regalia. Doran, perhaps you think this would be an honor guard. Mm Mm-hmm. The statues are badly weathered. They've suffered damage from vandals and treasure hunters. Hmm. What's with all the fucking dwarves here? <laughs> God. Um, so the opening that you all head into leads into a hallway that extends back into the side of this cliff face. It goes about 60 feet back, and then it comes to a long staircase that descends into darkness. Cool. With landings positioned every 20 feet. And on the either side of each landing, there's a small alcove that holds a stone brazier, though they're not lit. This is so exciting. I can't believe it. <laughs> and like we're, we're traveling down further and further. Are you first in line, Doran? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I feel like maybe there's a door at the bottom here, and that's why we need Oren to open the door. Red's at the back, nervously looking up. Again, not liking being in the dark and underground. Yeah, and a lot of this place is like filled with spider webs that just cross the passage that you guys have to break through. It gives you like the heebie-jeebies. I think we're done. We got everything we need, right? Let's go now. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot of people spend a lot of time down here, clearly. The stairs open at last into a great hall filled with massive square columns, 20 feet thick, 
that rise to a ceiling 30 feet overhead. There are stone braziers that stand at the intersection of each pathway between the columns. And each column serves as a mausoleum. As you enter this big room, you see that there are alcoves carved into each side of each column, offset. And inside each alcove hold stone effigies of the interred dead. This is a graveyard. Wow, feel at home. These are tombs. Many of them have been smashed open, revealing the bones of the dead inside. This place has been vandalized many times over. Mm. There are crumbled and ruined stonework of broken effigies smashed on the floor. Damned disrespectful folk. Well, let's not be too high and mighty, because if we find a magical axe down here, I doubt we're going to leave it behind. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Red... That's right. Doran, you walk the halls here, punctuated by these huge columns. You feel like the weight of the souls of the dead of your ancestors are all here speaking to you. I'm running my hands along the the columns of these mausoleums. And I guess the feeling that's going through my mind is not so much sadness or, you know, any negative feeling. It's more of that of wonder and just standing in a place so many other dwarves have stood before. And I think back to the golden age of the dwarf and, you know, these halls and their full yeah full capacity, you know. Full As you pass by these broken and robbed crypts, you look inside and you see that some of them still contain a stone slab against the far wall that contain bas-relief images of the dwarves that were once entombed within. Yeah. So there are these like weird portraits of the dead. Yeah. The names are like old to me. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah. who would really be named? Uh, Hachwund. That's such an old name. <laughs> Hachwund's like a grandpa name. It's like thinking of someone named like yeah. Geraldine. <laughs> like that's old fashioned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Kraloth <laughs> is just idly picking up bones and placing them back in the mausoleums. Oh, that's cool. Aww. Just kind of, but it's like a natural thing. It's just like he's like sweeping, you know? It's just like, oh, I'd love to maybe investigate around to see if there's any other ways out of this room or any, any doors or places or 23. Jack, as you pace in the dark around this hall, the fallen dwarves, Doran's brethren, you, your eyes fall upon an effigy on a tomb, one of the unbroken crypts. It depicts a dwarven king in full regalia, clutching a stone scepter with one hand and pointing toward the floor with another. With your keen eyes, you detect that the scepter is a separate piece of stonework that you imagine could be removed from the dwarf's grip. Doran, quick, come over here. I found the coolest thing. Oh, he rushes over. Look at this. Look, look at this. Is is it wow. is it Thorold the king or is it You know what? It isn't. This this is like an illustration of a king, but not a portrait of a king. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this look at this is a clue. This is a false king. That's not Thorold. That's how we know he's pointing to a false floor. Look, and I think you can move this this torch if you just pull this out. Bingo. Is you... Doran sketching like frantically down here? No. No. Okay. No. He's taking it all in. Yeah, he's being curious. part of the moment. Yeah. Yeah. No Instagram door in here. <laughs> right. I wouldn't even know about it because it's not specific to like dwarven culture or anything. This is like specific to 
uh, architecture and this is like Jack's knowledge of art history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, like how secret passageways are built and that sort of thing. And this mm-hmm. is not my it's not my knowledge. It's not my knowledge book. You know. Yeah, as Jack pulls this scepter free wow. from the carving's hands, Doran, your eyes cast around on the ground, and you find that this 20-foot square section in front of the crypt is different from the smooth stone elsewhere. It's a little bit pockmarked, like it was made from a different kind of stone, mm. and that there is a drilled hole next to the southernmost slab here it's two inch wide six inch deep hole what could i put it in there (laughs) (laughs) who knows put your dick in a box i I hand the torch over to doran oh let's unlock this place oh thank you so much jack and i do i slip it in with a grinding sound the slab moves aside It just retreats into the wall of this crypt, and you see another stone slab. Tell Oren to open it. And now we're all kind of gathered around this this area. All right, we ready? This might have to be fast. Hopefully. Red's nervously looking around. I send the instruction to Kieran to... (laughs) (laughs) The halfling just jumps in the dark. (laughs) You hear the sound of a halfling screaming from very far away. And just like with everything, there's like this like awkward long time and we're kind of all like, God, what's taking him so long? He's almost there. Look, he's just getting it lined up. Eventually, the final stone slab slides away in the darkness to reveal a hidden staircase leading down. Wow. It stays open as long as Oren keeps the door open, but you hear you hear some rumbling from up ahead, maybe 200 feet above your heads as a number of boulders begin piling into place. Let's go! And I jump down. <laughs> yeah, go, go, go. So you all hop down into the darkness? Yeah. Yes. And then instruct Kieran to tell Oren to close the door again. Great. So you guys lock yourself into this tomb? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Does it occur to any of you that that's kind of scary? Yes. <laughs> or are you just really excited? Red is freaking out. He's like, okay, okay. I even think he hesitates for a minute. And everyone's like, the stone golem. And he's like, I, I know, I know, I know. Just wait, just wait, just wait. Maybe he like claws down, like, uh-huh. you know, like putting one foot in, like someone nervous to get into a pool. <laughs> and then it starts closing and he pulls his claws back. Okay, I'm fine. Not nervous at all. Let's go. Let's go. Wide stairs open into a strangely shaped room, almost like a crucifix shape. Hmm. Not ominous one bit. Oh, okay. What's a crucifix? Set into the wall next to the stairs, there's a stone lever that's in the down position. And as you descend the stairs, there are braziers similar to the ones that were on the staircase above you. These braziers, as you move down the stairs, burn to life. They burn with this mysterious blue flame, and they give off no heat. Hmm. Ominous. Yes. So there are alcoves to the east and west, and then in the center of the room, there's a large dwarven statue standing at attention, saluting a beautifully engraved marble sarcophagus that sits alone against the far wall, which, as you can see now that you move into the room, is covered with runes. (laughs) (laughs) These wounds are covered in wounds. (laughs) Well, this looks like a lot of traps. Uh, Red just scans his eye around the room and turns to the others and says, Look, just getting in here, there was that big stony guy. So I have no doubt whatsoever that there's going to be some funny business. Uh, Can I do a perception at first? Sure. Just to see what I see so I can seize it. 
That is a 23. Nice. Can you read Dwarvish? Can I? No. (laughs) (laughs) The dwarf statue that you are looking upon that is some 40 feet ahead of you does resemble the stone golem that was protecting the top of this crypt. Mm, And Mm. I pointed out, hey, doesn't that statue kind of look like the one that was upstairs? Do you guys want to hang out here for 10 minutes? I I need to read Dwarvish, like the comprehensive languages. Yeah, no, if if you're taking 10 minutes, I'll take 10 minutes to do detect magic and then... uh... Will be a solid expeditionary team. Yeah, team, team. Let's hang out under the stairs, casting spells. High five. Yeah. Um, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I look to Doran, who I have to imagine, Doran, you're like super anxious to look around here. No, mm. Doran is not so much anxious and giddy. He's more interested in taking it all in. You know, every little bit. I, I think that's a sarcophagus over there, mm. and I point at the the marble. Uh, sarcophagus on the other side of the room sarcophagi Doran (laughs) and I give a loud wink to Jack wink I mean so if you move just a little bit down the stairs you kind of get to within yeah the radius where you can actually read parts of what's on the sarcophagus now the statue is in your way so you can't read all of it but here's what you can read with your Excellent perception. Don't come closer. <laughs> Here, Majesty, King, Tongue, he re, Son, Defend, Breath. So there's like a portion in the middle of each line. There are four lines of script. And I kind of step off the, the last step into this room to read this and I look back then at my fellow companions and I say uh, this is where Toral's flame tongue is is buried this is his burial site I, I I'm I'm surprised it's not there's there's got to be hidden traps that's what I'm saying it probably is defended I, I agree with you it's almost cruel to make them wait 10 minutes before we get to go to more than two steps into the room I know so you guys just hang out for 10 minutes come on Doran and Red are like come on guys let's go I am going to begin moving into the room sure I'll come with you Doran and I, and I kind of step in and maybe I walk to the first flaming torch the first wall sconce it's just so much to see as you descend the stairs and you hug the leftern leftern the western <laughs> wall <laughs> I like as that. you hug the western wall and you approach that wall sconce you look just so curious so in awe of this ancient tomb you realize that there's a secret door directly beside you beautiful fantastic guys there's a there's a doorway here it's it's barely noticeable yeah it's it's dusty but you figure if you push against the correct brick in this masonry, that it would swing forward and open. So I'll stand there behind Doran and I'll say, all right. And I pull my bow and I say, if you want to open it, I'll cover you. Uh, I kind of look nervously back towards uh, Jack and Kraloth. I'm almost ready. And then I look at Red. I'm just going to push it. We, we won't go far. We won't go far. Don't worry. Go, go, go. And, and I kind of <laughs> place my hand against the wall and I kind of look for the seam and where the seam is. It's I like kinda... Christmas morning. Yeah. <laughs> Jack and I exchange a look and we just ever so slightly speed up our movements. Nose back in the book. We're like, okay, <laughs> could I, what can I skip here? Skim this. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's syllable. I can, I'm sure I can skip that one. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. No, no magic. Okay, bye. <laughs> open it, Doran, open it. <laughs> so I give it a good push. 
Yeah, the door creaks forward and you are given access to a corridor that probably hasn't been entered in 5,000 years. <gasps> hey, Doran. Wow! Wow! Look at all the wow! 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 Red, red. <laughs> we have no idea what's down here. No, They're... no, no. I'm, I'm just doing it to play a joke on the other guys. I want them to think that we found something really cool. Oh, it's very good. It's about ten feet wide. It heads west about thirty feet, and then it turns north at a right angle, and you can't see anything beyond. Mm, I think. Hey, hey, what if we go in and then shut the door behind us? They won't know where we went. <laughs> waiting patiently by the secret door i think i'm at the, the angle i'm at i can probably read what's on the sarcophagus yes yeah, you, know? so you look back Ooh. in the darkness and you read the following written in beautiful engraving on this marvel sarcophagus you read here lies his noble majesty king Torhild flame tongue he raised a kingdom in the sun defending it with his dying breath wow I can't believe that we're standing in the presence of the the great king, Thorold Flametongue. Uh, Flametongue is the one who uh, perished on the bridge, right, Doran? That's right. Uh-huh. Fighting uh, a giant. Yeah, a fire giant, maybe. I, I, I think. Right, right. Ten minutes elapse. Kraloth and Jack, your spells, rituals complete. There we go. Okay. He's like, come on, guys. Oh, wow. And I'm going to head into the secret passage. Sure. There is a circular dais in the middle of the room, atop which there is an effigy of a dwarf lying in state. This is like a representation of a dwarf. Cool. As you walk up to this effigy of a dwarf you realize it's got its arms crossed over its chest and it's holding a great axe i grab it cool yeah you pick up this axe hey look and i hold this axe up whoa and Kraloth, as you walk into the room you see red standing atop a dais holding a magical great axe oh oh it's pretty i wonder what its name is good find red doran's jaw kind of drops a bit the, the feelings are mixed inside Doran. <laughs> Almost like, don't fucking touch my axe, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And as you enter the room, Doran, Kraloth, Jack, Red, you hear a little voice. Hello? Hello? You know, be really careful with that. You don't know what you're holding. I'm holding an axe. It's awesome. Thank you. What? I looked down at the axe. My name is Orc Splitter. Uh, oh! Does it sound like it's coming from the axe I'm holding? I mean, it doesn't have like a mouth, but oh. maybe. Can we all hear it? Yeah. Ooh. Hello, Orc Splitter. My name is Red. Doran like rushes up to Red and like almost tries to take the axe away in sort, sort of a childish way. And in a childish way, Red like kind of pulls back a little bit because he knows it's going to be yours anyway. He's like, oh, Orc Splitter, this is my best friend Doran and, and Kraloth and Jack. And he like puts the hilt down and like sets it up like a person trying to like you're, show them you're you're talking axe you're you're the you're the the great axe of Doral flame tongue you are orc splitter oh i'm gonna like you this is this is incredible and at this point dora now has it in his hands and he's he looks back at jack and Kraloth, and then he looks at you too red i, I i'm sorry i this, this is incredible. You, you are the axe of Thorold Flametongue. Yes. How, how, long, how long have you been buried down here? Time immemorial. 
but how do you have a voice? I'm, I'm so confused. Jack, how does that have a voice? Magic. <laughs> Orc Splitter, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it's been like living down here? It's been very dark. Tell, mm. tell us about the King Flametongue. How, how great was he? He was the most amazing, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And like him, I disdain cowards and look forward to meeting blood in battle. Cool! Or Splitter, you're going to be a great part of the team. We're all real cool here. Uh, are you hungry? And like Red like gets down on his haunches and he's like, I maybe have something. And he like reaches into his pack looking for something to feed. <laughs> An axe. Do you eat? What, what do you eat? Do you eat anything? Doran, Orc Splitter is a battered looking axe it is unremarkable at first glance but as you turn it over in your hands you see that the head of the axe is graven with the dwarven runes for orc but the runes are depicted with a gap or like slashed through the markings so that the word orc is literally like split into mm, interesting mm-hmm and the hilt is like vibrating in your hands and it says to you you're a dwarf of good alignment, right? I can feel it. I am. We're going to be great friends. We are. I guess I'd like to attune to it. Yeah, to a degree. it's going to take you an hour to attune to it. I mean, I could spend an hour down here. <laughs> Jack, as you walk the perimeter of this dais, you see that it is carved with a similar couplet as was the sarcophagus outside, mm -hmm. but it's slightly different. Mm. It says, here lies his noble majesty, King Torald Flametongue. He raised a kingdom in the sun. May his reign never be forgotten. Well, I, I can't speak for the rest of us, but I, I've, I've got what we came for. Red, who's still like crouched holding a piece of bread, just like puts it away and stands up. Mm. All right. And walks over to Kreloth. Isn't that cool? A new <laughs> axe friend. She seems real nice. That's absolutely incredible. I haven't seen anything like it. Doran takes his own axe, the Bloodmaker, which is a very finely crafted axe, but it hasn't... Yeah. It's different. You know, I kind of picture... It's Iron Fist steel. Yeah, I kind of picture it being like pretty and extremely sharp and ornate and intricate, and it's got like weird edges, and it's like, you know, like a much prettier axe to look at. And then there's... Orc splitter, which is like much heavier. It's got a thicker head and, and it's more of a blunt, almost like a splitting axe versus a chopping axe. If you've ever seen the difference between those two. And he takes Bloodmaker and he puts it into the hands of the effigy of Thorold Flametongue as sort of like to, just to hold the place. You feel emotions hmm. through the haft into the handle, into your hands. This weapon is radiating gratitude. Torild, if you can hear this, I, I just want to say, on behalf of all of our kind, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for giving us the, the freedom and the, and the start that we needed and showing us the light. Because if it weren't for you, we would never have come out of the darkness. That was wonderful, Doran. My face relaxes and I look at the three of you and I say, I want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for bringing me here and thank you for the experiences that I've had since we've met. I, I, can't, I can't thank you enough. I can't be more grateful. 
Um, I would have never got here without all of you either. I'm so glad we got to be here to witness that, Doran. That's, I'm glad you're feeling it. You're welcome. <laughs> and Red turns around and begins to head to the exit. <laughs> you guys ascend the stairs back up into the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping that that Kieran uh, can give Oren the signal when we're ready to open the door for us sure, again. Sure. So yeah, get out. that all goes on without a hitch. Beautiful. And you stand blinking in the late evening. Even though it's getting dark out still, the the change in brightness from being 300 feet underground compared to being out in this crisp, cold night. Well, let's say goodbye to this place. Glad we did it. Doran, cool new axe. Yeah. Orc splitter. I feel like the kid, he can't stop looking at his new toy after the... Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say, I, I, in fact, in fact, Orcs, but you should meet my bow. And he just holds out his regular <laughs> bow. And he's like, yeah, this yeah, was yeah, River's yeah. bow called Dreammaker. It's beautiful. She eats bread. <laughs> I make sure to pull Oren aside and show him this little illusion of what it looked like when Doran picked up the axe and put the other axe in there. And just like, if you find any inspiration in that, it's just a moment we don't want to forget the king. It's nice. what he asked for in his tomb. Yeah. Thank you, Master cool. Jack. So you collect B, where she was taking care of the horses in this ruined amphitheater. And I guess, where do you go now? It's coming on mm. evening. Do you camp here for the night? or Let's let's make some footprints as Dorin now. Yeah. Floral flame bearer. Oh, stop. Oh. Let's move on and, uh, and uh, camp somewhere on the way to Belliard. <laughs> All blushing. I, yeah. see, I picture Doran yeah. like twisting uh, one foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think we make some footprints and then probably camp a little ways away. I put orc splitter in my sheath and try and try to play it cool. Cute. Yeah, I mean, she's not very talkative, but occasionally she'll chime in and be like, Wow. Wow, it's nice up here. Yeah. This this ruin used to be the, the kingdom. And whenever Red hears her talk, he like offers her a different piece of food, not understanding that she doesn't need sustenance. Mm. It's like, well, she talks, so she needs food. What else do you want? Uh, fish? Uh, jerky? <laughs> As you settle down for the evening, Doran, uh, you attune to this axe mm-hmm. and you discover the following qualities about her. Hey. Okay. So, while you are wielding this great axe, which has different stats than a battle axe, so make sure that you note those, you will no longer be able to use a shield while you are wielding her. Mm, Unfortunately, it's a two-handed weapon, but you roll a d12. Uh, You gain a plus two bonus to attack and damage rolls. When you roll a nat 20 on an attack roll with this weapon against an orc, the orc has to succeed on a constitution saving throw or be auto-killed, basically. Whoa! You can't be surprised by orcs while you're not incapacitated. You're aware of any orcs within 120 feet of you. And you and your friends within 30 feet of you cannot be frightened when you're wielding this axe. Whoa! That's so cool. Wow. I always like things that give not just the, the beholder you know, an advantage, but it gives like the party an advantage. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So because mm. you have this legendary weapon, you are, you, you cut 
such a figure that your friends are bolstered by you. The morale of the party just skyrockets. You know, Kratos, I'm not as frightened with Dorna around us. <laughs> hey, I mean, either. I can feel the inspiration coming off of that axe. Mm-hmm. So, team, we've tackled Grudhog. We've gotten this axe. Where to next? I think we say as we're like turning in for the night. Mm-hmm. Shadowtop Cathedral, right? Bingo, bango! That would make me super happy. Liferless's contact. Yeah. 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 Good old tree boy. So his, his old master was up there. And then I guess, is it Everland after that? Sure. Uh, do we want to take the road or do we want to cut through the woods? Up to a point, we can take road and then we're going to be trekking through the woods, I think. I'm not sure where Shadowtop is in the, you know, exactly in, in this forest, but the high forest ah. is pretty, pretty Ooh. big. Well, since we don't know exactly where it is, but we know it's in the High Forest, maybe we should go to Evelyn first? Or at least a town near the High Forest and ask? Yeah, that's a good idea. Did Liverless give us any more, like, geographic information? I'm sure we we must have... Mm. He told you it was near to the Lost Peaks. So there are mountains that rise out of the center of the High Forest. Yeah, and so I'll make sure to highlight those on my little illusion to say, Liverless gave us that near the high peaks they're they're sort of in this section of it and so i think we can take the road as far as we can before we cut in and start looking around it shadow top kind of gives me the sense of a high place so hell i like the sound of that let's do it i'm ready for a bit of travel some adventure some high ru- D- did you want any of this he holds a piece of beef jerky out to the axe <laughs> no. just checking but i'll have some thanks red and he bites it right out of your hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's about a day from Basilmer to Grudhog, and then another day from Grudhog to Belliard. Are you going to be heading up along that same road? or I don't see why not. Yeah, and I mean, personally, I would love to just swing through Belliard. I don't swing think we need to spend more yeah. time there. Yeah, let's do it. I agree. So we it's the end of the 23rd when we're camping tonight? This is one month game time. Hey, you guys are wow. back in Belliard. So Jundar's Pass cuts through the Deseran Hills from Belliard up to uh, an intersection where you know that there is a small village. It's on a lot of maps just as kind of an inn that's called Calling Horns. It meets with the Evermore Way that borders the uh, northern side of the High Forest. So that would be probably a good place to swing in if you're interested in coming at the forest from the north. Mm-hmm. You guys head out of Belliard uh, the morning of the 26th, probably, just as the first storm of the winter blows in. Ooh. I think in Belliard, I would have bought some winter clothes uh, after kind of coming out of the ruins. Red definitely started to understand why snow is so... Potent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so he's got this big, thick winter coat with like you know fur. Oh, I, and the, I on do the inside, love the the image of us now bundled up on these horses, like ready for it to travel yeah. through the winter, like yeah. big heavy it's, cloaks and wool hats. And <laughs> yeah, it was clear to you from your travels up from Basilmer to Belliard that the cutting wind is only going to get worse as the weather progresses and as you continue traveling north. So you guys do some shopping. Red, you have a new winter coat. Yeah, Anyone else have a parka? For myself and B. I almost picture um, Jack with stylish new, you know, nice nice winter coat. Oh, yeah. And Kraloth with like some winter wear and Doran with some winter wear. And then there's Red with this like big poofy fur. It's He's like, wearing yeah. like blue snow pants. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. slush yeah. pants. Just a, yeah, like, and a big hood. I'm just... Yeah. 
Hey, dudes, I'm cool too. I have to go pee. <laughs> so, you've been traveling north along the high forest for two days, and you're stopped for a noon meal. Mm. I think we're like along the edge of the woods, sort of, you know, ducking in every once in a while, maybe hunting something from the woods and bringing it back out. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So you guys are off your horses. <sighs> I'm starting to like this snow. <laughs> Suddenly, a white bird dives out of the sky from some height, plummeting in a streak of speed to crash into the ground at your feet, Jack. Whoa! It erupts in a shower of downy white feathers, but where the bird's dead body should be instead... A folded parchment hovers a foot or two off the ground, gently turning in space. Your name is written on the front, Jack Page. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to go investigate. There are three pieces of parchment folded together. The first is a letter. The second is covered in arcane writing. The third is a smaller piece, contains a rune or sigil of some kind. Ah. Do you want to read it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Cool. So, the letter reads... Jack Page. Could it truly be more than a decade since we last spoke? Though I suppose ten years feels longer to those of us not blessed by the longevity of elven bloodlines. It is I, Dazan of Luskan. Doubtless you're wondering why an old school chum has reached out to you so flamboyantly. I wanted to extend to you the opportunity to witness your own defeat. Despite, or perhaps because of my condensed lifeline, I have accomplished that which you could not. Maybe you remember a quiet afternoon or two in the hallowed halls of our boyhood learning, with us poring over an ancient tome stolen from the archives, dreaming about what power and accolades would be heaped upon us should we be author to a similar such academic discovery. Perhaps you even distinctly remember arguing which of us would be first to unearth some artifact of the first age. For me, this memory is crystallized, ingrained, formative, and I've spent much of my professional life competing with your memory. Unless my informants are worth less than I pay them, these last years you are busy chasing ogres around and playing in the dirt. I, for my part, have been more focused. Join me now in East Haven of Icewind Dale as I unveil my magnum opus, an archaeological site that will have me remembered forever as the foremost scholar of this age. I won't spoil the details for you. Suffice it to say that I've won our argument, fair and square, and I simply won't take no for an answer. After all, no master but the tower. Dazan of Easthaven, late of Luskin. Mm-hmm. Postscript. I'm sure you'll be needing this. You can repay the favor later. The second parchment is a spell scroll for teleportation circle. Well, that's cool. You fumble with the third piece of parchment as it slips from your hand fluttering to the ground. As it touches the frosty grass, it vanishes, replaced by a ten-foot diameter circle of shifting and glowing ice-blue runes and symbols. It grows in clarity and intensity for a few seconds before seemingly snapping into place, upon which a ten-foot-high portal opens glaringly white and burning with arcane energy. I, I'm assuming we see all this, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely incredible. Kraloth comes up behind you and is looking over quizzically at this. The, yes, this is incredible. Uh, what the hell is this, Jack? Uh, uh, who is this Dazan? Do you know this guy? Is he a good guy? It's tricky. I, I mean, yeah. Jack, you feel compelled to walk into this portal. Mm-hmm. You're not sure if it's the weight of your history or something else. I, I look at Kraloth. 
sort of with oh, wide eyes. And I see Jack's face, and I know what's happening next. So I say, right, uh, and I'll turn back to B in the horses. You, you two stay here. Just keep things safe. We shouldn't be too long. All right, be safe. Of course, yes. We will. Thank you. Kraloth, you're coming too, right? I'm right behind you. Oh. And you each step through the portal. The first thing that hits you is the cold. It knocks the breath out of you, freezes your eyelashes, turns your breath into smoke. And as you look around, the blanket of snow covering everything and the dark sky turns everything bleak, black and white, and quiet. You're far, far away from the high forest. You're in Icewind Dale. A mysterious portal to an unknown world? Yes, please! Thank you once again to our great Old One Patreon supporters Adam Fry, Megan Shepherdson, Christopher Ryan Evans, and Michael and Brianna Weber. You make us want to be better people. See you next time! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.